Hello everybody, this is Nemo with EconomicsJunkie.com on April 24th, 2020. And today we'll talk a little bit more about the uh, coronavirus crisis, or rather the coronavirus lockdown crisis. Uh, I want to delve into the anatomy of this fraud a little more. Uh, provide some background on the initial paper that was written that kicked off the coronavirus panic, essentially, and also give you a sense of how these tests work and the problem with these tests. So, and I'll link to all the sources, of course, always in the show notes. I'm going to be quoting here for the next couple of minutes from the initial paper written on uh, the, the novel coronavirus outbreak. In late December 2019, several local health facilities reported clusters of patients with pneumonia of unknown cause that were epidemiologically linked to a seafood and wet animal wholesale market in Wuhan, Hubei province, China. Then on December uh, 31st, 2019, the Chinese Centers for Disease Control and Prevention dispatched a rapid response team to accompany Hubei provincial Wuhan city health authorities and to conduct an epidemiologic and etiologic investigation. Four lower respiratory tract samples, including bronchoalveolar lavage fluid, were collected from patients with pneumonia of unknown cause, who were identified in Wuhan on December 21st, 2019, or later, and who had been present at the Hunan seafood market close to the time of their clinical presentation. Seven bronchoalveolar lavage fluid specimens were collected from patients in Beijing hospitals with pneumonia of known cause to surface control samples. Okay, so they have, um, have four samples uh, from people of pneumonia with unknown cause and then seven samples as a control sample you know, for people uh, with pneumonia of known cause so that they can see is there any difference between these samples. I guess you know, pneumonia of known cause would be uh, some virus that in the past has explained pneumonia and then these new cases, the so case of pneumonia, they couldn't find any of those known viruses in them. So they extracted nucleic acid samples from the, those, uh, from all of those uh, fluids, from the real and the control samples, and they ran a, a so-called polymerase chain reaction test using the RespiFinder Smart 22 kit, which is a kit developed by Roche. The samples were analyzed for 22 pathogens, 18 viruses, and 4 bacteria, as detailed in the supplementary appendix. In addition, unbiased, high-throughput sequencing described previously was used to discover microbial sequences not identical in the means described above. A real-time reverse transcription, PCR, uh, in other words, a RT-PCR assay, was used to detect viral RNA by targeting the consensus RDRP region of pan-beta-COV uh, as described in the supplementary appendix. So they ran a PCR test, which means it's a test that, from what I understand, it's a test that looks for a particular RNA sequence. RNA is the, a virus's DNA is called RNA, right? Because in humans it's DNA because we're, we're organisms, we're alive. The virus is not necessarily considered a, a, a life organism. There's some controversy on that. Some people say that a virus is some hybrid between the two. But this is the crux of the matter. Okay, They ran this PCR test, which, from what I understand, was developed initially by uh, um, Dr. Uh, Christian Drosten 
of uh, the Charité in Berlin. And uh, that test detected a particular RNA sequence that seems to match uh, several older known coronaviruses, but also uh, carries some different markers, apparently, from the known coronaviruses. And uh, so it was called novel coronavirus, and, and later on SARS-CoV-2. And this is, is the uh, problem right here. The PCR test that was used has never been peer-reviewed, according to the creator of this PCR test and according to everyone else who uh, is familiar with this matter. Dr. Drosten himself uh, confirmed in an interview with the German newspaper Die Welt and I'll link to that here, that this test has only been pre preliminarily reviewed. It, it has not been peer-reviewed by individuals who uh, have criticisms of it. It has not been uh, verified even really by any country's authorities uh, like the FDA. Now it, it has, but back then when it was first used to produce all these case numbers that are still being reported as fact in the news, it was n not peer-reviewed. And that is a huge problem, right? Because if we can't be certain about the accuracy of this test, that means that it could be complete bullshit, so none of the positives are valid, or it could be that it produces some valid positives and some invalid positives. It could be that it produces 20% positives when the actual positives are only 5%, or it, it could be producing 50% positives when the actual when in truth there's no coronavirus at all in the host's body. And another issue is that it doesn't look for quantity it only looks for quality that's according to the 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 inventor of the pcr test whose name is kerry mullis and kerry mullis is a, a fascinating guy actually he himself stated in interviews that were made back in the 90s i believe made a while ago and he unfortunately by the way he died in august 2019 so the guy who invented the pcr test and who said himself in these old interviews that the pcr tests can't be should never be used to determine the cause of disease it's it's highly unreliable in his opinion and many other people's opinion many other microbiologists biologists doctors etc this test could be producing positive results upon matching some dna or, or i guess the dna sequence that is not even a virus. It could be a normal cell. It could be a bacteria. It could be some other some other particle in the human's body. It could be a, um, a part of a virus. You know, it could be like a, a completely defunct uh, coronavirus that's in someone's body. As there are, as we know, there are, these coronaviruses have been around for like uh, probably forever, but certainly for for decades because there's old studies, and I said this in my podcast a month ago already. There were studies done in Glasgow that have shown that about 15, 5 to 15% of flu patients in, in a uh, long-term study that was done over almost 10 years always had uh, several uh, coronaviruses, 5 to 15%, or, or 7 to 15% of cases. So it could be a completely harmless, well-known coronavirus. Um, it could be something that's not even a virus. So that's problematic. And I say it's problematic because if we can't be certain about the validity of these tests, then why are we under global martial law right now? That's not a thing, right? You, you don't declare global martial law just in case an unverified test in Wuhan, China in 
couple of other places might be true. The next problem is that it, everything seems to come down to testing, right? The news media tells us this thing broke out in Wuhan, China. No, what happened is the first tests for this new virus were conducted in Wuhan, China, uh, in, in this uh, timeline that I described to you earlier. And then tests were performed in Italy all of a sudden. And by the way, something like 50,000 tests were performed in Italy within the span of a week, two weeks, maybe even just a couple of days. 50,000 tests were conducted in Italy. I, I don't really think anyone knows where they got all these tests all of a sudden and why and why Italy. And my guess is that um, somebody wanted to produce high results, uh, a, a large number of results in some region that is known to have frequently have flu problems every year. In Italy, hospitals in the northern region uh, struggle regularly every year with flu cases and the percentage of the population is very old. The median age in northern Italy is, is very high. And they're also, uh, they smoke a lot there. So it's, the re this region is notorious for lots and lots of flu cases every flu season. So that, of course, helps in manufacturing this panic that, that I described earlier. And a couple more uh, markers that uh, give you a sense of how, how everything comes down to where we test for this RNA strain that, in my opinion, is, is very prevalent. It's, it's probably all over the world. It's actually confirmed that all over the world, the antibody tests that are being conducted confirm that there's a high percentage of people that already have this virus in them or some kind of coronavirus, maybe. I think the antibody tests may be more reliable than these PCR tests. But the PCR tests produce false positives all the time. So that's why it always comes down to testing, right? They tested in Wuhan, China first. Big panic. Oh, my God, new virus, new virus. Then they started testing in, in Europe and in, in particular in Italy. And, oh, my God, don't you know it? Big virus outbreak in Italy. And then they started testing in the U.S. and New York. And guess, guess where they've conducted the vast majority of tests? In the United States, of course, in, in New York. Uh, I'm just going to pull up today's numbers real quick, and I'll also link to those. But uh, as of this moment, so New York is actually one of the top regions in the world where this test was being conducted. And uh, they've now conducted 730,000 tests in New York. Okay. But um, 730,000 uh, tests in the United States, in New York, in a highly populated area where you have lots of people with uh, the, the symptoms that, that qualify you for a test, namely all of the flu symptoms <laughs> that we already know. So you have a very high population density in New York, of course, right? So that plus a large number of tests, and don't you know it, we have 270,000 uh, so-called uh, COVID-19 cases, which means you had all these flu symptoms, which is also it's curiously uh, gratuitous in its symptoms, right? The COVID-19 checklist is basically you have a cough, you, you have joint aches, you have fever, <laughs> you have... Um, I think they threw loss of smell and taste in, in there, um, which uh, means you watch uh, CNN, obviously. But they also uh, have headaches and joint aches. I mean, there's no original symptom, really. You have pneumonia-type uh, conditions. Uh, but there seems to be uh, no 
unique symptoms to this coronavirus. It coincidentally uh, comprises all the known flu symptoms that we already have, and it doesn't have to be multiple of them. It could be one of them, right? It could be two of them. It could be three. It could be uh, uh, all of them or only one. So they've opened the floodgates to letting anyone who has flu-like symptoms take this test, and this test produces a reliable number of false positives, as I explained earlier, according to the inventor of the PCR method himself, Kerry Mullis. So it all comes down to testing, and that's really the biggest problem. And I just found that China's numbers were updated, because up until very recently, uh, the number of tests reported by China was 320,000. On a population of 1.4 billion people, 300,000 tests, half the amount of New York, and China was patting themselves on the back, saying, well, we don't have any cases anymore. Well, that's because you stopped testing. And now it seems like you have 3.6 million tests, supposedly. The United States has run the vast majority of tests at this moment, 4.8 million tests. And don't you notice, you know, the United States has the largest number of positives, as you'd expect. Right? Italy is up there, too, in fourth place. Uh, Russia's uh, number two in tests and very low in cases, which... I don't know anything about the tests, the type of tests they're running in Russia. Maybe they're better. Maybe they're doing the antibody versus the PCR test. But uh, Germany is up there. Italy is up there. Uh, and, um, of course, the United States is number one. Okay. And the United States has the largest number of positives in the world. And within the United States, New York is number one. And don't you know it? New York has the largest number of positives. So wherever uh, people decide to run these tests, they get the results needed to deliver the, uh, 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 to the news media the numbers that they can make flash on the screen in big red numbers so that the people who rely on the um, corporate media for their information can uh, freak out and go buy face masks and toilet paper and all, all that uh, good stuff that's out there. And... Um, and then also people say, oh, but Nima, oh, you, oh, Nima, let me just, I'm, I'm patting myself on the head condescendingly right now, just simulate. Nima, you, you dumb little person, don't you know that hospitals are overloaded all over the place and they're struggling with this disease? Well, no, first of all, that not even, the, I don't even think the mainstream media is trying to make that claim anymore because hospitals all over the world are at record low capacity and nurses are being laid off and uh, hospitals are closing down and or going bankrupt all over the country, probably all over the world too. In the UK, I think the hospitals are 25% of their normal capacity. So no, hospitals are not struggling. But then, oh, Nima, haven't you seen... Nima, you, you uninformed little person. Haven't you seen the horrendous pictures of bodies being put, uh, of dead bodies being hauled into trucks? Dead bodies being hauled into trucks. And oh, I'm like, oh, wow, that is, oh, what a profound point. You just let me think of an answer. What, what could, oh, all right, here, here's the answer. People die in New York every day. Okay, get it, see Seeing a dead body being put in a truck in New York is not evidence that there's a global pandemic going on. It's evidence that somebody died somewhere in New York. And, oh, Nima, but haven't you seen? Oh, come on. Got to get with the times, man. 
you got to watch some TV. Haven't you seen that there are now prison inmates burying unclaimed dead bodies on Heart Island? Oh, my God. Well, what could be the answer? Oh, right, right. Here's the answer. Inmates have been burying unclaimed bodies on Heart Island for over 150 years. Prison inmates in New York have been burying dead bodies. There's millions of dead bodies buried on Heart Island. But all of a sudden, it's really important to show you footage of inmates burying bodies in Heart Island, don't you know? Because it proves that it's scientific proof that there's a pandemic, right? So let's get to the postmortem of this hoax. Let's uh, read from some of these studies that are now one after another trickling in from all over the world with stunningly consistent results. Well, it's not really stunning because it's exactly uh, in line with what you'd expect if you know what I talked about in my last podcast and if you listen to what a lot of people have been saying. Here is um, a release from uh, USCLA, um, sorry, University of Southern California in, in LA County. They did a study using antibody tests, which from what I understand, antibody testing is more reliable than uh, the PCR test. But the antibody test basically is run on a random sample set. Okay, It's not run on a sample of people who are already coughing up a lung and a half, like the COVID-19 tests have been uh, doing for the most part. Right, You have to have certain conditions you have to have actually pretty serious conditions before they test you so this antibody test in the county was conducted on a random sample and it basically concluded that the death rate in la county was around or it was as low as uh, 0.135 percent which makes it a, a uh, remarkably benign virus it's somewhere in the the territory of flu virus okay and furthermore these numbers are inflated because they are counting anyone and everyone who dies with the coronavirus in them as a coronavirus death there was a situation recently where a woman who was 22 weeks pregnant who had the coronavirus who was in the hospital for other conditions died from those conditions and she delivered the baby early that was the issue. She delivered the baby early. Actually, I'm not sure if she died, but she delivered the baby early, had pre-existing conditions, and the baby died. And they said the baby died of coronavirus because the mom happened to have a coronavirus in them. Okay. Uh, there's, there's been other cases where people died of a heart attack, but they happened to have the coronavirus in them. So don't you know coronavirus, COVID-19 death. New York Times and several other news outlets have openly stated that New York State has announced that they have started enhancing their COVID-19 count by uh, throwing people into the count who don't have, who weren't even tested, where neither PCR nor antibody nor any test was conducted to see whether or not the virus material was actually in their body or the antibodies were in their body. It was just they died of a cough or they died with pneumonia, and seems like it was a COVID-19 death, so we'll count it as that. So telling you this because this 0.135% number includes all of these highly inflated death numbers of people dying with the virus, and it's still, it's still so incredibly low. 
it's really uh, quite stunning. So that's the uh, L.A. County uh, study. Then there's a study that was done in Gangelt in uh, Nordrhein-Westfalen in Germany. And in that study, they concluded the death rate. And, and Gangelt is sort of, I believe from what I, what I understand, it, it was considered the, the Wuhan of Germany. And death rate 0.37% okay, uh, with, with a statistically relevant sample. Then, and that was on, on April 9th. And then... April 17th, Wall Street Journal covered a, a, a Stanford study that uh, improved the uh, statistical sample uh, method. And their conclusion was the true infection fertility rate is 0.12 to 0.2%, far closer to seasonal influenza. This is a quote from Wall Street Journal. Isn't that uh, curious how Germany, LA County, and then the uh, Wall Street Journal study all seem to converge towards Zero point something. And then furthermore, the uh, according to the Robert Koch Institute in Germany, the uh, acute respiratory illness count in Germany is compared to the 2019, 2018, 2017 flu season, uh, remarkably low compared to those. So it's... Uh, at this point, it's lower than any of those have been for the past year. So no, uh, no spike in acute respiratory illnesses, which... There should be a giant spike. If this, this virus was a big deal, then there should have been a huge spike, but there wasn't. And what makes all of this even worse, as I just explained, is that the vast majority of these deaths are just people who ha had uh, conditions that people die of every year. There's no uh, spike in deaths or anything like that uh, this year. And uh, the BBC writes... On, on April 16th, coronavirus, 9 in 10 dying have existing illnesses. Okay. So we don't know if these people are dying from coronavirus or from something else. And I also read last a month, about a month ago, I read from Bloomberg that in Italy, the uh, sort of supposed ground zero of COVID-19 in Europe, 99% of deaths had one, two, three or more conditions that they may have died from. So only 0.8 had no other conditions and died with the coronavirus in them. Certainly a quite stunning facts that are absolute bombshells that are buried in the uh, frenzy and in the freakout that's manufactured by the media. And now, just uh, I think uh, yesterday or day before yesterday, New York did the same thing. They ran antibody tests in the uh, hot spot of coronavirus, of COVID-19 in the U.S., they did the same antibody test in New York and shockingly reported, oh, wow, what a surprise. New York is reporting that uh, the actual death rate is 0.5%. Uh, and like I said, that includes the people who weren't even tested, who just, oh, it feels like it, let's just throw them into the count. Uh, includes people who died with other conditions, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So that was the most recent one that I found. And there are more in the pipeline from what I understand. So there's now study after study after study trickling in, confirming what I and many other people have been saying for a long time, that uh, there's nothing overly new going on this year. Certainly, maybe there's even nothing new going on. What what does seem to be the case, supposedly, but this is I don't know if this is scientific or not, but supposedly there seems to be some kind of new lung conditions 
in some anecdotal cases, not scientific, but in some anecdotal cases, somebody, uh, some, some of these cases, they supposedly had some new lung conditions that, that, that doctors have never seen before. That, that's um, according to my, I only heard this through secondhand through some other people who are doctors who said that uh, they've never seen these lung conditions before. But uh, so what? That doesn't, that doesn't prove that there's a global epidemic going on. You know, they, that, that proves that some people had a weird lung condition somewhere. I'm pretty sure that there's weird conditions all the time at any given moment in the world, and we don't stage a giant freakout over those. So it really comes down to testing, and it really comes down to the corporate media highlighting certain, uh, certain anecdotes that are terrifying. Anecdotes of stories that in some cases happen all the time, like the Heart Island stuff in New York, the uh, Italy uh, hospitals uh, struggling, which was only in the beginning. So hospitals are now so empty that they're... And uh, health professionals are so bored, I guess, that they have to record a copious amount of TikTok videos of very well choreographed dance performances, I have to say. They must have had quite some time to work out the choreography of the dance sequences that these medical workers are performing uh, on TikTok. You know, these medical workers who, when they're not busy conducting their TikTok stunts or their, their TikTok performances, walk out on the street and uh, stage count, supposed counter-protests against the people who would like to uh, go back to, uh, would like to have their lives back, essentially. The, the, these people are having a, a bit of an Oliver Twist moment. May, may I have some life? Sir, and they go out there. No, and the media is. Oh, look at this medical worker uh, standing firm and standing tall against these ridiculous freedom activists who want their life back. Given that there's nothing new happening out there, <laughs> other than maybe a couple of new lung cases in some select places in the world, but certainly not globally, and certainly not. Um, certainly not even widespread, and that's also why people keep on bringing up the, the horrifying pictures from New York you know, and the horrifying uh, stories from Italy, etc., etc., when in reality there doesn't really seem to be much uh, new going on. Now, what I would find interesting, you know, by the way, they're now they're finding that some cats have COVID-19 and a tiger in a zoo had it, so just, just put those, put those uh, cranium cells to work a little bit and and ask yourself did this virus really originate in Wuhan China or did did it really originate somewhere and then spread all over the world just like that infect everyone and their dogs and their cats or could it possibly be that these PCR tests that are being used produce false positives frequently as the creator of the PCR test has uh, himself stated the inventor of the PCR test now, what I would like to see is why don't we? I don't know if this is possible. I don't, I don't know. It, I I don't know how well it works on dead bodies. But if we could dig up a couple of, <laughs> I know this sounds morbid. I don't even want. To, uh, it's a bad idea. But if we could dig up a couple of dead bodies, maybe on Hard Island, these bodies are unclaimed, right? Why can't we dig up a couple of bodies that have been under the earth for twenty, thirty, forty, fifty years? Let's say we dig up 100 bodies or so on Hard Island. And we also ship out a couple of COVID-19 tests to uh, astronauts who are on space stations, if there are any of those out there, which I'm sure there are, and run these tests on them. 
And I, I would really like to see how many of those, of those bodies under the ground and how many of those astronauts on these space stations have the SARS-CoV-2 virus, according to this test. In them. Because if it's the same uh, uh, rate or if, if it converges or, or, or if it's in line with the average rate that we're seeing and all the tests that are being run on Earth, well, then we know for sure that this test uh, produces false positives on a regular basis and that we, we have been, uh, we've been duped and we've been conned by people who needed a global freakout to push through another agenda. And then we can uh, stop this nonsense, nonsense and go back to work. But of course, that's a bigger struggle. That's going to involve a lot. That's going to involve a big fight. That's going to involve you waking up, putting two and two together, because two and two e equals four, not five. Um, in 1984, George Orwell uh, suggested that the ultimate, the ultimate power is if your leaders can, t can make you believe that two, and two plus two equals five. And that's really what's going on here. They're relying on people's unwillingness. Maybe, maybe it's unwillingness. Maybe it's a little bit laziness. I don't want to say stupidity because it's really not. I don't think that that's what it is. I think it is people's reflexiveness and the way people have been trained by the media to react to uh, highly emotional and manipulative propaganda. And uh, so these are the uh, latest facts on this uh, coronavirus, a.k.a. COVID-19 situation, a.k.a. SARS-CoV-2, which is supposedly the new virus. By the way, the virus has never been isolated. You know, one of the, one of the uh, most respected scientists, one of the most respected infectologists in the history of medicine, uh, Robert Koch, a German uh, scientist, I believe he was an infectologist. The German uh, version of the CDC is called Robert Koch Institute, right? So it's named after him. He has himself postulated that you have to fulfill four things uh, in order to, his four postulates, in order to validly claim that you've discovered a disease. And it involves things like you have to isolate the virus from the body. You have to reintroduce the body into an organism, right? So it would be usually they would, that's why they do tests on animals, which I'm absolutely against and I find it disgusting. But I'm just saying, well, that's what that's what they do. Reintroduce it and, and see if it produces the same conditions. You know, like a real scientific test. Not uh, so-and-so died and happened to have this thing in them that is spread all over the place. So I'm just going to assume that it was because of the virus and so let's uh, cancel all our rights and lock down the world and put anyone under indefinite global house arrest uh, until further notice sounds like a plan uh, that is not what sane people would do and i think we need to return to some sanity on that so that's just it regarding the stats and facts most of the latest stats and facts on the uh, coronavirus situation on all of this i said on may on march 20th in my podcast that the programs that were being debated at that point i believe they weren't passed yet but they have been passed now uh, they will soften the the economic blow uh, caused by all these lockdowns and they have and that's why you've seen the stock market go up I also said in my podcast back then that the uh, w the worst may have been priced in by the stock market and it looks like that might be the case I st I'm still not so sure about that we, we have to see but there's definitely been a remarkable um, bounce back that has now lasted for over a month and this bounce back clearly in my opinion reflects investors expectations 
that first of all these programs are going to be trickling and then there's going to be a couple more programs that are going to be passed soon uh, there's just been another small business program then there's probably going to be some infrastructure program there may be another round of checks going out maybe there's going to be some tax maybe there's going to be some tax cuts or something like that so then on top of that the market is of course also hoping that the the economy will open back up again and that's the indications that are being given now that slowly the states are beginning to consider people are beginning to consider reopening uh, the problem is that there's a, an army of people who have never worked for a living and people who work in the public sector etc who don't really have it we're not really struggling uh, the way small business owners and workers are struggling right now so they, they are eager to keep this thing on, on lockdown for no reason but nonetheless of course you can't uh, forever force people to accept this ridiculous situation so this is another thing the market has fact is factoring in that hopefully we're going to go back to work soon and if that is the case that coupled with the programs that have been passed recently that could really supercharge this economy big time i mean i'm talking um growth that we haven't seen in a long time that is a possibility and that may be a silver lining here uh, at the end of the day and, and that's what the stock market is factoring in right now at the same time we do have to reopen <laughs> soon like we, we currently it's still dragging we don't know where it's going the programs are being passed the bills are being passed that's a good thing the, so the market is liking all these things but if it starts looking like we're going to be dragging this lockdown out for longer and longer then the market could re could return um, it's it could resume its downward slide once more and we could be seeing lows that we haven't seen before but it looks like right now the market is cautiously optimistic on what is um, happening and uh, that's all I wanted to talk about today you can check out the uh, sources in the show notes this has been Ima Mature with economicsjunkie.com thank you very much for listening